The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. I sought the Lord, and afterward I knew He moved my soul to seek Him, seeking me. It was not I that found no Savior true. No, I was found of Thee. Thou didst reach forth Thine hand and mine enfold. I walked and sank not on the storm-vexed sea. T'was not so much as I on Thee took hold. As thou, dear Lord, on me, I find I walk, I love, but oh, the whole of love is but my answer, Lord, to thee. For thou wert long beforehand with my soul. Always thou lovest me. Thou lovest me. Thou lovest me. Always thou lovest me. I sought the Lord, and afterward I knew He moved my soul to seek Him, seeking me. It was not I that found no Savior true, no, I was found Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Have you been found by Jesus? Have you been found by Jesus? He is searching for you. He is calling for you. We're going to again look at the story of Moses striking the rock But first, we need to go back and just review the first story 40 years earlier when he was directed with the rod of judgment to strike the rock. And as he did, the water gushed out. For two million people, it gushed out. For all their livestock, it was an abundance of water. There was enough for everyone, and it ran down into the desert. Today that watershed can still be seen. It's plain there was a river that poured forth from that rock, and it wasn't a little rock, it was a huge rock. Before we talk about these issues on Pilgrim's Progress, however, I need to let you know that Monday, Tuesday, And now Wednesday, 
I bring to you that National Prayer Chapel is short of being able to pay Pilgrim's Progress radio bill for the month of January by $2,600. We have never been that short before. We are not in a crisis. We are trusting Jesus. Two of my elders urged me, do not do an offertory, but go ahead and teach the word. And we'll pray, and you pray, and we'll stand by faith that this 2600 will be covered, and we are standing firm by faith. And I am going to teach again today. I'm not going to withhold teaching and say, I won't teach again until you come forward and help cover this radio bill but I can't remain on the radio if it's not paid for. So here we are. I need to ask you if the Holy Spirit is prompting you to give, would you give today? Could we have the victory? It's $2,600. Now what's happened is one of our dear brothers who gave every month $1,500, has had a crisis in his family, and one of the couple lost their job, and they simply can't cover that anymore. So we've turned to Jesus once more and said, Lord, it's all in your hands. If you want this radio broadcast to continue, then we need to cover the cost of 2600 and we're going to wait upon you for that $2,600. If you'd like to help, if you'd like to cover this, then please call 877-534-0780. I'll give you that number again. It's 877-534-0780. We cannot continue and go in debt. It's in the Lord's hands. My eyes are upon Jesus. And I stand resolutely and by faith that he will cover this $2,600. I don't know how. Is his arm too short? No. And it may be that only one person will cover the whole amount, or it may be that a lot of people give a little bit, a dollar, ten dollars, twenty dollars, a hundred dollars, two hundred, five hundred, a thousand, whatever the Holy Spirit is prompting you to give. I know this gospel message must go out over this city. We're in desperate times. So, Drew is waiting for your phone call. He'll text me when the men, with the monies as they come in but I'm going to teach. It's 877-534-0780 or you can go online to National Prayer Chapel and you can give online. Thank each one of you who's already given this month. Thank you. And God bless you. You gave to Jesus and to the work of the gospel. So that's where we're at. Now let's turn to the Word. Lord Jesus, as we turn to your Word, 
I ask that you would quicken our hearts by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. If ever there was a time when I need you, it is today. And if there was ever a time this congregation listening needs you, Lord, they need you today. Lord, come and meet the cry of our hearts. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Moses, the man of God, carries a staff. That staff is a staff of judgment. It's that staff which he used to bring the plagues down upon Egypt because God told him, throw it down and it will become a snake. Pick it up and it will be back once more as a staff. The snake, of course, representing Satan. When the judgment of God comes upon him, he does not have any power. It was this staff that was used to lift over the waters that turned them to blood. It was this staff that Aaron was instructed to use as he brought the very, very destructive and painful judgments of God upon this wicked Egyptian nation. As they went to the Red Sea, it was this staff that he raised up and God parted the waters. And then it was this staff that he raised up and the waters closed over the Egyptians. It was this staff that he was instructed to take. I'll read it for you. They have come to Rephidim, and by the way, they did not just by chance come to Rephidim. They were led to Rephidim and told to camp by the Almighty God. This is where the clouds settled. And so this is where they were to camp. It was not by chance, it was by design, and it was a dry camp. There was no water there. They are now a month and a half, a little over that, out of Egypt. And now they're thirsty. Their animals are thirsty, their children are thirsty. You can live without food for quite a while. And yes, the manna is falling for them, the food of angels, that pure white coriander-like seed that is coming in the dew every morning, and then as the sun heats up, it melts away. They only collect what they need for that day, except on Friday, and then they collect twice as much so that on the Sabbath they have food to eat and it doesn't spoil. If they keep any over from Monday to Tuesday, it will spoil and smell bad in the camp and they did it and Moses was angry with them. But you can't live without water. About a gallon a day for washing and cooking, cleaning. They need water. They're in the desert. They have no water. 
and they begin to murmur, to quarrel with Moses. And he says, why do you put the Lord to the test? In other words, they're saying, is the Lord among us or not? Where's the water? We're going to die. And in fact, they were facing now imminent death. They could not live in that desert without water. They'd been faced just prior to this with starvation. And the Lord God of heaven fed them the bread of heaven. So it would seem that now they should come to the Lord and say, Lord, thank you for the bread. We worship and praise and honor your name. Thank you for the bread. Now, please, could you give us water to drink? But that wasn't their heart. In bitterness, they rose up against Moses. They threatened to even stone him to death. And Moses cried out, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord gave him instructions. Walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. Now I want you to notice he is delineating what staff is to be used. You see, Aaron also has a staff. It's the priestly staff. It's not a staff of judgment. Go, he said, I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? They tested the Lord. Now, immediately, they're attacked by the Amalekites, a warlike people who no doubt saw the water supply that was gushing and said, we need that water supply for our sheep and our camel. And so they're coming to fight against Israel. But it's not just that. It's a way of God. Now, all the way through these stories I've been sharing with you out of the book of Exodus, it's very plain. These are ways of God. This is the clearest in the Old Testament laying out of the principles of how to deal with the God of heaven and how not to deal with the God of heaven. So here they are. They are quarreling. They are walking in unbelief. And God will be patient for a time as we grumble against him, as we turn and find our salvation in other places. God will be patient with us, but finally, judgment will come upon us and the Amalekites will attack. I believe the Amalekites are a direct response to the unbelief of the children of Israel. Now, we don't see that correlation so clearly today And the reason we don't is because we've found many other ways to take care of ourselves. Credit cards, cash, work another job, 
I spoke to a man yesterday, and he began to tell me that he is working four jobs, and he's exhausted. I said, you must be a rich man. Oh, no. No, he said, my mother has Alzheimer's. I don't want her to go to a nursing home. So I'm paying for nursing staff to come to the house and care for her. And I'm working to pay. I said to him, brother, we don't know the burden we carry. It's hidden from others. You're carrying a heavy burden. I'll pray for you. And I have been. His name is James. Pray for James. He needs deliverance. But he can pick up four jobs and work constantly and be exhausted. And he doesn't need to go to Jesus and ask for the Alzheimer's to be cured. He doesn't have to deal with the Lord God of heaven. And so in his in his walk, he's not walking with Jesus. I ask him. He's not walking with Jesus. I'm ministering to him. I'm calling him to Jesus. Pray for James' salvation. He's in a very hard place. But he's found ways other than waiting upon the Lord. Now, do you believe the children of Israel would have quarreled with God if when they arrived at Rephidim there had been a huge flow of water? Of course not. They would have sucked up the water and been very grateful. Now we've got water. We're okay again. Till the next time. God brings these trials upon us in order to try to teach us that he is the provision. Now, 40 years later, the children of those first Israelites, the men have all died off. It's a new generation. And now... There's no water again. And the people gather in opposition to Moses and Aaron. And again, they quarrel with Moses and say, If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain, no figs, no grapevines, no pomegranates, and there's no water to drink. They are angry. They are upset. They have not yet learned to fall on their faces before Almighty God and plead with Him for His provision. This $2,600 that we owe for this month's radio bill that's not covered yet. You know what I'm doing with that? I'm going before the Lord and I'm saying, Lord, your arm is not too short. You can move in someone's heart and they will respond and they will give because they love you and they care about the work of the gospel and they love the messages given on Pilgrim's Progress. They 
their lives have changed. Lord, thank you. I honor your name and I wait upon you. And you know what? If we're unable to pay it, I'll take that as a very clear sign that the Lord is saying, you should no longer be on the radio, Ray. Withdraw. And I'll withdraw. It's okay. I don't have to be here. It takes great time and energy. And the Lord may have another plan. And if he does, that's okay. But if he wants it covered, he'll cover it. He'll move in your heart and you'll say, yes, yes, of course. And you'll call 877-534-0780 and you'll give as the Lord directs you. I'm just standing by faith in this. I'm not going to waver. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. And I'm asking that this mountain be removed. Now, two of the elders are praying that they could be the ones who received the money so they could give the money to the work of the gospel. I love them for their heart. And the Lord may do that. I'm going to let you know what happens. You'll know if I'm not here. And you'll know if it's given because I'll be testifying and sharing how God brought it about. You see, I'm not interested in human flesh anymore. I'm not interested in in doing things the business way anymore. I'm interested in Jesus coming forth in power and authority and working the work of the gospel by the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm interested in. Now, in Numbers, the 20th chapter, we find this second story. Let me share it with you. There's no water. The people are angry. Moses and Aaron, they come to the tent of meeting and they fall face down. That's always Moses' way to fall face down before the Lord in his presence they fall face down and the Lord speaks we find it in chapter 20 of Numbers verse 8 take the staff and you and your brother Aaron gather together the assembly speak to that rock before their eyes and it will pour out its water You will bring water out of the rock for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he had commanded him. Now, I want you to catch that. Don't don't miss that. He is not to take the staff that is his, the staff of judgment. He is to take Aaron's staff the staff of the priesthood. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses says to them, Listen, you rebels. Must we bring water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. 
water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. What an incredible judgment upon Moses and Aaron. It makes me want to weep. Moses has walked 40 years in the wilderness and now 40 years leading the children of Israel in the wilderness. He was to bring them into the promised land. And the Lord has said, because of your sin, you will not be allowed to bring the children of Israel into the promised land. You have forfeited your place. Now I do have to say just a couple of things. Do you note that even though Moses disobeyed the Lord, the water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. In other words, God even used this man Moses when he disobeyed. God wanted his will to be accomplished even by this vessel that had disobeyed him. Oh, that's such grace and mercy from the living God of heaven. That's such kindness that he showed to Moses in this situation. When Uzzah disobeyed and reached out and steadied the Ark of the Covenant, God struck him dead. But Moses, he showed great mercy. You will not be brought in. Now, why is this so? Well, we learned, and I shared with it, I shared you this story from 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Let me read it for you again. This is 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Verse 1, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud, and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered over the desert. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. And then it lists the evil things they did. So the New Testament tells us that the rock that they drank from was Jesus. Both rocks that they drank from represented Jesus Christ. The first rock, the judgment staff was used. The rock was stricken. Our Lord and Savior was crucified. The judgment fell upon him. He was the atoning 
sacrifice for our sins. Then what's the second rock? The second rock is not to be struck with a rod of judgment. It's not to be struck with a priestly rod, for that's not how Jesus walks. This rock now represents the risen Lord Jesus. It is the shadow. And had Moses been allowed to strike the first rock and then strike the second rock, he would have been saying that striking the first rock was an insufficient sacrifice. The sacrifice of Jesus was not insufficient. It was complete. And when he comes to the second rock, the staff was not the staff of judgment this time. It was the high priest's staff. Jesus Christ in the second rock is not to be struck. He is the risen Lord. He is now totally given to you and to me to make us righteous to save our souls. God cares very much about these images from the Old Testament because they tell us the reality of what's happening in the heavenly realm. So Jesus was stricken for our sin. But in the second situation, Moses is punished because he again strikes Christ. Christ is the perfect sacrifice. He is risen. He sits at the right hand of the throne of God. Moses messed it up. You need to know today that Jesus Christ is risen. And he is the perfect sacrifice. He paid the price at Calvary for you and for me. But you were not redeemed at Calvary. You were redeemed when the second rock is spoken to and the water gushes forth representing the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's an abundant flow. Both rocks give forth a river of flow. The first, the river of flowing blood of Jesus to forgive you for your sins to remove your sins. The second flow is the flowing power of the Holy Spirit to redeem you, to save you by power. There is first, the price is paid. And then you have to access that price. Now this raises the question that we need to spend a little time with. There is a lie that's going about in the Christian church that says, yes, Jesus was struck and the water poured forth. But they're saying that the water that poured forth was not enough to redeem them from their sin, so the rock has to be stricken again. Now, they're not saying that, but in theology they are saying that. Can I be very clear with you? Very clear with you? 
the old man was to die. Did he die? What's the old man? Well, probably in reference to Adam. He's the old man. And he plunged us with his sin into the poison of the devil's camp. And now each of us, as we are born as the sons and daughters of Adam, carry with us. Remember, the creation always creates after its own kind. And Jesus, speaking with Nicodemus, said, You must be born from above. There has to be a new birth. You have to become a new creature in Christ. You don't become a new creature in Christ by striking the rock a second time. You become a new creature in Christ by receiving the outflow of the Holy Spirit, being regenerated and transformed into the likeness of Jesus. And the old man is dead. Now, many of you believe that the old man still lives in you. And by believing that, you give yourself an excuse to continue walking in sin. But let's look at the scriptures and see what it actually says. Galatians, the second chapter, I'll begin in verse 15. We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified or is not made righteous, dikasune, not made righteous by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Righteousness is a free gift. But it's real. It's a total transformation of the person. The old man is put to death. Let me read it for you. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be made righteous by faith in Christ, and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be made righteous. This is chapter 2 of Galatians. Verse 17, if while we seek to be made righteous in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, that is annihilated, I prove that I am a lawbreaker. If you're walking in sin today and you call yourself a Christian, you are a lawbreaker and you are under the curse and penalty of the law, which is the wages of sin are death. Now note, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. This is the apostle Paul. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live that is, the old man in me no longer lives. The old man, that which is given to rebellion against God, that which is given to sexual impurity, that which is given to anger and bitterness and hostility, I died. That no longer lives in me, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That was the first rock. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Now let me turn to another scripture. 
over here in the book of Colossians. I'm going to begin reading with verse 1, Colossians, the third chapter. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died. You died. Now, if you're still walking in sin, you have not yet died. And you are still under the judgment of the law. The only way you can avoid the judgment of the law is to die to the old man in you. Now you realize it's, for women, it's the old woman. For men, it's the old man. You have to die to that. Now, those who claim that you can never die now to that old man, they are simply giving excuse for themselves to continue walking in rebellion and darkness against the Lord, claiming that they can't do anything else, that it's impossible. Really? Is the blood of Jesus, according to Hebrews 10, of no more strength and no more value than the animals of the sacrifices of the old covenant? Are you kidding me? Is that what you want to say? To make an excuse and say that the blood of Jesus has not the power to totally cleanse, redeem, and change you? Now, I know in the American church we have sidled into a lukewarm condition where we don't have to cry out to Jesus. We don't have to leave our sin. We can hang with the world and we can hang with Jesus. It's a lie. We can't. The wages of sin, it's death. We must totally leave our sin And to totally leave our sin, we must go through the crucifixion with Christ. And we must come out victorious on the other side. Now, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to pay the price. Listen. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. The King James Version then says, mortify. The NIV says, and the Greek literally says, put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, now he's going to identify these things that were to put to death. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. People say to me, Pastor, I can't control my thoughts. I can't control my evil desires. Well, of course you can't, but Jesus can. But are you willing to go all the way with Jesus and lay down your life and renounce those things in your body? He says, because of these The wrath of God is coming. 
the wrath of God came on Moses, and he died. Now glory be to God, he was resurrected, and he met with Jesus on that Mount of Transfiguration. The mercy of God is so great. His sin was forgiven when Jesus died on Calvary. The blood of Jesus opened the way for Moses' salvation, because certainly he repented of his sin. You find that as you read through the Old Testament. He was heartbroken that he was not allowed to go into the promised land. He begged God to allow him to go, but God could not let him because Jesus had not died on Calvary. So all he could do is cover over Moses' sin, but he could not remove it. He could not forgive him in the fullness of the blood of Jesus because Jesus hadn't died yet. Please understand, when Jesus died, everything changed, and we entered what is called the New Covenant. Colossians 3, verse 7, You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, You know what malice is. I'm going to get even with you. I hate you. I'm going to deal with you in such a way that you will be sorry you ever met me. That's malice. And the Lord is saying, if you have that in your heart, you can't be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Anger, rage, malice, slander filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Wives, verse 18, submit to your husbands. It doesn't say wives. You're equal with your husband. So fight for your rights. It doesn't say that. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. As is fitting in the Lord. And husbands, love your wives. In other words, sacrifice yourself for your wife. It's twofold. One is submit. Don't be rebellious. Don't leave him because you're angry with him or any other reason. But come, 
Husbands, love your wives. Lay your life down for her. Even as Christ, in Ephesians it says, even as as Christ laid down his life for the church, so husbands, lay your life down for your wife. Now some of you may be saying, Pastor, how do I do all of this? You get on your face before God and you repent. And you itemize the things you've been saying and doing, the attitudes and the feelings. You itemize before the Lord the reality of your behavior, the laziness, the coldness of heart, the anger and the bitterness, the malice. You come before the Lord and you honestly admit, this is who I am and this is what my condition is before you. And you renounce it in the name of Jesus and you ask him to come and make you righteous. And you ask for his Holy Spirit to come. And the Holy Spirit will come if you're serious. And he will transform you into the likeness of Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit's for to transform us into the likeness of Jesus. He will do it. Now, we just have a couple of minutes left in this broadcast, and I want to go very quickly. I want to go very quickly to Romans, the 8th chapter. I'm going to begin in verse 12. Please, this is not my word. This is not Ray's teaching. This is what the Bible says. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. Those who say you cannot destroy the old man by the power of the blood of Jesus are saying we still have an obligation to serve the old man. We've just got to keep putting it down. We've got to keep struggling with the old man. No, we don't. Verse 13, For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Now let's be very plain. The mind of sinful man. I'll read it for you. Verse Chapter 8, verse 6. The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God, 
You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Oh, my brother, my sister. Do you hear today the word of God? I'm going to play for you again the song that we opened with today. Danny Byram singing a cappella. I sought the Lord. Well, I thought I could. Let me see if I can. I want to play this for you. I sought the Lord, and afterward I knew He moved my soul to seek Him, seeking me. It was not I that found no Savior true, no, I was found of Thee. Thou didst reach forth thine hand and mine enfold. I walked and sank not on the storm-vexed sea. T'was not so much as I on thee took hold, as thou, dear Lord, on I find I walk, I love, but oh, the whole of love is but my answer, Lord, to thee. For thou wert long beforehand with my soul, always thou lovest me. Thou lovest me, Thou lovest me, always Thou lovest me. I sought the Lord, and afterward I knew He moved my soul to seek Him, seeking me. It was not I that found no Savior true. No, I was found of We have just two minutes left in this broadcast today. I want to thank you for listening. You've been listening to Spring to uh, Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. 
Thank you. One of you just sent a $25 gift. Thank you. So we're now $2,575 short. It's up to you. As Jesus moves in your heart, would you give? You can call right now, 877-534-0780 or go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. nationalprayerchapel.com and you can give online. I pray today that you will know the call of Jesus Christ. He's seeking you. He's calling you. Will you allow him to put to death that old man in you? And will you pay the price to walk in righteousness? I love you, my brother, my sister. Go to our Google and just put in National Prayer Chapel and up will come the address and the location for the National Prayer Chapel. We are a house church right now, but that will soon change. God bless you. I love you all. I'll talk to you soon.